This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Starts now. Hello and happy Thursday. Thanks for hanging out with us. This is Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. We've got new hours on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific. That is 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. We've got the music you love here on Channel Q. And, of course, we are informing you and here to entertain. Can I ask you what's the point of wearing jeans? Because uh, they're cool? I don't know. No, like, just what's the point of wearing pants at Oh, this pants point? in general. Yeah, I am having, ever since we've gotten mm. back to the studio, I'm having a really tough time even wanting to get dressed. And I oh. just want to wear sweatpants and hoodies. Yeah, I hear you. I'm a leggings type, leggings and sweatshirts now. I just don't get it. How are we supposed to, when we're going back, you know, this is the, uh, we're at the year of the anniversary of, you know, when the mm. whole world shut down. And I just can't even... I, I honestly can't honestly believe that I used to get dressed. Like, I'm at that point where I'm we like, try way too hard. Has yeah, I just wish that I didn't have to own pants anymore. And like the fact that things are opening back up, we're back in the studio. It's like wow, I'm gonna have to start being a human again. Right. I have to just start working my schedule because I sleep and then I wake up and then I'm just nonstop. I literally threw clothes on. I don't even think I brushed my teeth and I came here I, because no, I I mean what when you I mean you didn't brush your teeth. Well, what happened is I woke up to get on calls and because you and know when the first thing you don't do is me, brush your teeth. Uh, I would have liked to. It just happened that that didn't happen this morning. <laughs> that is so but gross. Because of scheduling, I know a lot of folks feel this way. Mm-hmm. You schedule things back to back when you're on the Zoom or you're at home uh-huh. you, because you don't need to go from one office to another or get in your car. But the first thing when you you wake up, you don't like wash your face and then like brush your teeth. Um, no, I, t- I, I typically have a, co- a cup of coffee, so I'll ha- actually brush my teeth after the coffee. Okay. This time I realized I just didn't do that. <laughs> thankfully, there is a plexiglass between you and I, Ryan. I mean, you don't I, feel, smell this. I feel bad for, I believe it's either AJ or Michaela who sits in that mic, and I feel bad for who has to experience that. Oh, relax. <laughs> One day. And I, I brushed them last night. Oh, wow. I guess that's okay. It's kind of like taking a shower at night and being like, oh, I don't have to take a shower. I took a shower at night. That's kind of gross. Yeah. I think about these things. I don't want to go there because I, I did reveal. I was like, I should have taken a shower this morning. But I didn't have time for that oh, either. God. And that was after my date night last night. Wow. <laughs> 
That is gross. What is coming up on the show today? The show's called Let's Go There. I'm just saying. <laughs> coming up uh, today, as you mentioned, marks a year since the country started shutting down because of COVID. And Dr. James Simmons, who we love, joins us to share some of the things to look out for at 3.30 p.m. Pacific, 6.30 p.m. Eastern as the world starts opening up. The blind spots. We're talking about those blind spots. We're going to be giving you some insight on that to keep protecting yourself. And, oh, I can't wait for this. The COVID meditation from Marianne Williamson. Why are you teasing Oprah's healer. She (laughs) ran for president. She has a COVID meditation you're Uh, not going to want to miss. It has a lot to do with your body parts. I will say that. Mm -hmm. Now let's get into some what's trending this hour. President Joe Biden will be delivering his first primetime address since taking office tonight to talk about the next phase of the fight against the pandemic that has killed more than 529,000 Americans. What a number. Uh, Previewing his remarks, he said he would talk about what we've been through as a nation this past year. But more importantly, I'm going to talk about what comes next. And he is speaking at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Now, Governor Tate Reeves blamed President Biden in the most gaslighty way for the need to sign this bill banning transgender athletes from female sports teams. President Biden, as one of his first initiatives, sat down and signed an executive order which, in my view, encourages transgenderism amongst our young people. But for that fact, we wouldn't be here. We view this as presenting an unfair challenge to biological girls who wish to join sports teams. The Mississippi Fairness Act would bar biological men from competing in women's sports in Mississippi public schools. Governor Tate, Tate, I'm really happy you're standing up for women like me who definitely feel like I'm threatened by other women and the trans community. Give me a break. Does he have like his... Does he? It's, okay, it's, I know you. I felt like he yeah. was literally about to like spit out tobacco. He sounded like so ignorant and just slow. And honestly, I'm. I would be shocked if he even has a degree. I thought you were gonna say something else. No, I, no. I don't know what you. That know. is not a man to me. That is not being <sighs> a human or a man. Anyway. He sounded really like. I, I couldn't believe it. I or can't even leader. take this serious. I was like it's hard. chuckling. It's so hard. Basically, as the recount said, this solution in search of a problem is the first state bill to ban trans athletes in the United States this year. But sadly, more are on the way. So, the yeah, I can't Billy. take these uh, these harmful excuses and something needs to be done about this. These folks will go down in history and it's, it will be an embarrassment to their their life. Can I go to the tea report now? Let's move on to something fun, more fun, yeah. Okay, thank Let's you. Let's do it. Okay, so it's time for the tea report. Um, Prince William broke his silence about brother Harry's and, Mar- and Meghan Markle's bombshell Oprah Winfrey interview. It is time for your tea report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Prince William became the first royal to directly address the explosive interview and allegations of racism as he answered reporters' questions while visiting an East London school early to, uh, well, early Thursday. Sorry. Sir, have you broke? Have you spoken to your brother since the interview? No, I haven't spoken to you yet, but I will do. And and can you just let me know, is the the royal family a racist family, sir? Very much not a racist family. So he, you know, made sure to let everyone know, guess what? The family is not racist. But I have to say, it's very interesting. You know how, uh, what's the the dad's name? Prince, uh, not Philip, is it Philip? Charles, Charles, Charles. I can't keep up. Prince Sorry. Charles. It's like the Kardashians. He, after these uh, 
you know, rumors, things, and Megan had said these things, and William, uh, Harry confirmed it. Mm-hmm. He posted photos of like him and like uh, with a, a bunch of black people, and Prince William. Well, literally had a token black woman with him. Who knows if she works on his staff? Probably so. But it's just very interesting, the timing of this. You start to see, oh, there's a strategy in plan. They got to show oh, yeah. that they have people of color around them. And that the fact, in all honesty, I genuinely believe Prince William was the one to ask that, that skin tone question. I believe it in my hearts of hearts. Because if you connected it, Prince Harry and Prince William, they have a, a strange relationship right now. And no one's going into why. And if you're connected, it, Prince Harry already said it wasn't the Queen and it wasn't Charles. Oh. So who else was it? I'm just saying it has to be Prince William. Hopefully that tea comes out. It probably will never, but they're, apparently they're talking again. That's what reports are saying. So that is my tea report. I got more coming up next hour, honey, because the tea reports are really good today. So y'all better stick around. I love when we talk about tea when talking about the royals. <gasps> oh, wow, I didn't even connect that. Yeah. Coming up on the show, uh, Trump says the U.S. would probably never have had the COVID-19 vaccine if he wasn't president. More on that statement next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So former President Donald Trump, we know he's cut off from all social media platforms. So he's using good old email to get the word out in his latest statement. It happens to be about giving him credit for the COVID-19 vaccine. He uh, said, I hope everyone remembers when they're getting the COVID-19, often referred to as the China virus vaccine, that if I wasn't president, you wouldn't be getting that beautiful shot for five years at best and probably wouldn't be getting it at all. I hope everyone remembers. Ay, ay, ay. Political commentator Jackie Copel is with us. Hi, how Hi. are you? You know, we're good, but you know, we, it's been a nice break from the Trump madness, and it seems like he's just creeping his way back in with this craziness. He's trying, that's, that's for sure. He, he, he can't, he, it's, I think it's fair to say, whether you love him or hate him, he cannot stand being out of the spotlight. <laughs> well, what do you think about this latest jab? I mean, really, are we all supposed to be thinking about him when we just get more triggered and traumatized by thinking about him while getting this? <laughs> I mean, the reality is, is what he's saying is just not true. Right. I mean, quite frankly, if another president had been there and had taken this more seriously, uh, not only would we still have the vaccine and credit where credit's due, they shifted an enormous amount of money. Uh, When I say they, I mean, Trump's administration shifted a lot of money, you know, Operation Warp Speed to to speed up the development and 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 uh, production of the vaccine. But. He didn't do anything that any other president wouldn't have done. And as I was saying, had there been someone else there who took this seriously, uh, many fewer people would have died. Uh, The vaccine would likely have stayed, you know, been nothing on the vaccine front really would have changed, I don't think. Um, But you just would have had fewer people dying and and potentially getting sick and, and all of that because we would have had an administration that was not ignoring quite, you know, honestly, the science, the deaths, the hospitalizations and the reality of what the situation was and is. Yeah, I mean, Trump is obviously planning on running again in 2024. But do you think he realistically kind of has a chance at this point? And this is his way to kind of make sure that people get that he's going to be running again or someone from his camp is going to run again, like his family members. Who knows? I don't think Trump does anything for other people, um, quite frankly. I think he he takes care of himself. And in this case, he wa- he he does not like that Biden 
is doing well with regard to the vaccine rollout. He wants credit for the vaccine. He doesn't want Biden to get any of it. So quite frankly, this is just his ego saying, hey, you know, don't think Biden, thank me. I'm the one who did it. But, you know, the core of the message is not really based on any actual information. Right. Like, yeah, five years. I mean, that's just not factual. What did they do? (laughs) They directed money. And that's great that they did that. That's fantastic. But that's not something that other presidents wouldn't have done. (laughs) Yeah. As someone who covers the news and commentates about it, what have you been thinking about the political landscape since he's gone? I mean, there's still a lot of drama. It just seems even like Ted Cruz, I think, said it's just not as, quote unquote, exciting. Yeah. Well, I think that's an interesting question is whether or not people want their politics exciting. Um, I think for a lot of people, they're, you know, they're sleeping better. They're sigh of relief. They're less stressed. They're less less angry, perhaps on both sides of the aisle. Um, I don't know necessarily that Trump is going to run in 2024, but I think he's going to uh, keep everyone guessing until the very last possible second. Um, but, you know, his his knees have been taken out. Right. His big his big bully bully pulpit was uh, was Twitter and he doesn't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just means the political landscape is a lot quieter and he has to resort to these email blasts, which you know, it seems sort of very, at this point, seems old school and, and kind of sad. I mean, sign um, me up for boring any day because I'd rather that than trauma. <laughs> right. Well, and that's, and, and, and that's exactly what you're interested in. But I think that, you know, like when the drama comes out, there's a vacuum. And the question is, are people okay not filling the vacuum? Or do people actually, in a weird way, thrive off of it? Mm. I don't have the answer, nor am I saying that, like, you know, it's not a judgment on whether people like it or not. Um, but I think it is a really interesting thing because you really get a sense. And it's been reported on this. Hey, Jackie. Yeah, well, I actually need a wrap. But yeah, like, we got a wrap, babes. <laughs> we love you every amazing. time. You're so good. Never mind. I take back what I was going to say. Do you need me to say it shorter? Or <laughs> just- <laughs> Jackie Coppell, go find her on Instagram where she always reports about this stuff. Thank you so much again for being with we us. We love you. Coming up, the House just passed universal background checks for gun sales again. Will it make a difference? That's next. What's up? We are back and we're talking about universal background checks. The House of Representatives has passed a bipartisan bill that would mandate universal background checks. So basically there would be federal oversight of gun sales requiring unlicensed and private sellers to conduct background checks. I mean, this seems like a great thing. Uh, And joining us right now is Gabby Bierenbaum, politics and policy reporter from Vox. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So it was great to see this as bipartisan, as was mentioned, considering some of the statements made yesterday that we even played on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I guess it's still going to hit the Senate and possibly not pass, though. So we get excited and then it feels like we're just disappointed. That is a fair assessment. Yes, this is not the first time this bill has passed. This bill passed in 2019. Um, at the time, Republicans controlled the Senate, didn't even take it up. Uh, so the big difference is that this time, the Senate, uh, Chuck Schumer said, we'll have a vote on it. Republicans will have to take a stance. But considering in the House, there were, I think, eight Republicans who voted for it, and they'd need 10 in the Senate. And that's a much smaller pool. Uh, the odds are looking pretty slim. Yeah. So how effective are these universal background checks? And what are some of um, the, the loopholes that are attached to this as well? 
Yeah, so it's essentially what it would be uh, is a good first step. So right now, through the National Incident Background Check system that exists, um, basically any licensed sellers have to do a background check. The FBI does it. It usually is pretty quick. Um, They're looking for history of a criminal record or a mental illness, typically. Um, But the problem is a lot of people sell guns online. People get ghost guns where they buy the parts and create them themselves or through gun shows. All of these are unlicensed. That's about 22% of all gun sales. So with this bill, what would happen is those sort of unlicensed and private sales would have to go through a background check. Um, Background checks in general are really helpful to preventing gun violence. There's not a ton of research that adding this would make a huge dent in gun violence, but it's a first step for, you know, a further system um, in which you could have potentially gun licensing, much like you needed license to get a car, to get a driver's license. You could do the same thing for guns. That would be a further step in which background checks are necessary. So essentially it'd be a first step towards creating a much more robust uh, system for gun safety. It seems like that, you know, it, it, it was so hard to get even a car. I, they do so many background checks just on a car, right? I well, know. One not would, like one you're that type should... of background check, but you know what I mean? Like, it's so hard <laughs> to get the simplest of things, and yet a gun, I'm just so surprised that they are not implementing these things. Do you think moves like this gets us closer to gun reform? Any sort of gun reform here? I think what's interesting about this is that it's really, really popular. So it consistently pulls over 90% of the American public believes in these universal background checks. Democrats call them, you know, common sense gun legislation. Um, And so I think the more Democrats are able to bring it up and put pressure on Republicans to take a vote in the Senate, which is what they're going to have to do, the more then, even if it doesn't pass, they can use it as messaging and say, look, most of you guys want these background checks and it's Republicans who are standing in the way of that. Okay, well, that was Gabby Bierenbaum, policy and policy reporter from Vox. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Coming up on the show, when Disneyland reopens, and let me tell you, it's going to happen for all those Disneyland fans. It's going to have an even bigger privilege problem than it did before. What you have to look out for next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Trigger warning for everyone who loves Disneyland. Because Disneyland is changing it up. They're getting more expensive, which isn't surprising, after what, being off for a year with COVID and the pandemic? Yeah, it's not surprising at all, but I, I do understand that people after this pandemic, is they're going to need the happiest place on earth. <laughs> well, they sorry, are. it's going to be <laughs> the most privileged place on earth with these prices. Oh, ding, ding, ding. So before the parks closed, if you know this, I didn't realize this. I mean, we went to Disneyland last year once. I hadn't been there for years. Yeah, because we went for free, Shira. They invited us there. So the, the, the tickets were, privilege. The tickets topped out at $154, $154, not $1, for a single day. Okay. Right? 209 for a single day, blah, blah, blah. Basically, it's going up to over 200, right? And then they have these annual passes, right? And people would be able to pay per month, which helped those people who couldn't pay for all that upfront money. Producer Vanessa, how much was an annual pass? Do you know? She acted like she was the expert of Disneyland prices. Yeah, I read the article. (laughs) It's $609. But they removed the annual pass. That's what I just Thank said. You. But Thank it seems like you, I don't know, it just felt like you were very invested in this story. And because we talked about wow. this during the break. Our producer came on and embarrassed you. What is going on? <laughs> so $600 for this annual pass, you could pay per month. Uh, and now they're not letting people pay per month anymore. Which is making it really hard. Yeah, it kind of actually does suck if you think about it, because I 
a, a lot of times people are doing what they can afford, especially to experience these niceties, if that's even a word, of life. And I think it is important um, for people to have that ability to be able to do that. Um, but I also feel conflicted because I do not care about this. I'm not going to lie to you. I feel like it is important to get, make sure everyone has this this accessibility to it. And Disney maybe needs to pull this decision back. But I've already been very open about how I feel about Disney adults. And I don't really care if people go into the Star Wars land or they go ride Dumbo or whatever. I just do not care that much because I won't be there, especially uh-huh. not after really closely, so close to the like the end of the pandemic. Like I just don't feel like it's going to be a couple years for me before I go to another amusement park. Have you lost the fun in your adult life, Ryan? What fun? I'm just saying, a big part of this is being able to explore, like, be childlike. Not childish, childlike and being able to dive into that. What makes it s- this sad is that it's not just for adults. It's for families, too. Yeah, I, and that's why I'm saying. I understand why people are upset about this because people spend birthdays, holidays, you know, everything there. Well, and- imagine, again, $200 for a day or so, 300 when uh, an annual pass was 600 You, The numbers don't even add up mm. right you could go anytime but they're saying now that they rather have less people and yeah. they end up making more money with less people so why wouldn't they do that than doing more for more people here's the thing sure if you ever run for office let this be your platform disney lives it did this two lives that's a quarter finish it <laughs> I couldn't say that, but if you said that, I'll jump on board. I'll jump on that bandwagon. Let us know what you think at LGT Show. Are you mad about this? Could you not care any less? Will you be quitting Disneyland forever? I just have a hard time giving Disney my money with them, like having like their races passed. Should Disneyland be canceled? Okay, now coming up on the show, if you're on Netflix and you've been sharing passwords, we've got some news for you. This is an issue for me. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show, we've got a lot for you. Why do animators keep turning people of color into animals? Or are we reading too much into this? Our own Ryan Mitchell here was in this Mike.com article and it made us want to talk more about this on the show today. So stick around for that in 30 minutes. Plus, Dr. James Simmons is with us to talk about the current state of COVID-19 in the U.S. What to be aware of as we see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. You know, we should have bought on the writer who actually wrote that. His name is Brian Hernandez. And he is uh, he reached out to me. He saw my uh, tweet uh, of mine, which... It's crazy. I think everyone just reads my tweets and it just ends up getting me something or they're just very thought provoking. Um, but basically, it was his debut on Mike.com and he asked me to be a part of this and I thought I was going to be only a little blurb. But we're, we're going to have this really interesting conversation and I think it's important because a lot of people are saying it, I'm, we're reading too much into it and race shouldn't be a part of it. It's nuance. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into some what's trending this hour. With the House and Senate both approving the $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief bill and President Biden signing it into law this afternoon. By the way, did you see DocuSign was trending? Because he was like, oh, I'm not going to sign it tomorrow. I'm signing it today. And everyone thought it's because people were bringing up that he should use DocuSign. I mean, there has to be like a a legit version of that for like the White House. Something private? Yeah, something like extremely private. Yeah. Well, guess what? Americans, you all... 
are soon receiving your long-awaited $1,400 stimulus checks. And me too. Anyone who basically pays taxes and is legally here. Uh, people can expect to uh, start seeing direct deposits uh, hit their bank accounts as early as this weekend. This is, of course, just the first wave. My bad. That's Jen Psaki. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki announcing that today the first people to receive the checks are likely to uh, go to those who have direct deposits set up with the IRS. That's because the government already has your information on file, doesn't need to go through the process of printing, sorting, mailing checks or prepaid debit cards. And by the way, this time, Biden is not going to sign it. He doesn't need to wait to make that process happen. He already signed it, right? He said he wasn't going to be signing it like Trump. You know, Trump waited to sign everything. Oh, like signing the checks, you mean. Yes, yes, yes. That's that's why it was delayed, because he wanted to sign it. Yeah, Yeah. he's not doing that. We don't have a selfish a-hole in the in the office anymore. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, that's a quick what's trending. Okay, so everyone listen up. Netflix is cracking down. Netflix is cracking down on password sharing. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about this because, Shira, you're in trouble. It's time for your tea report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Netflix is testing a new feature that could signal the start of an effort to crack down on password sharing. Uh, Spotted by Gamma Wire. It's a website, a tech website, I believe. Some viewers attempting to use somebody else's account are now being stopped by a screen that says, if you don't live with the owner of this account, you need your own account to keep watching. Uh, Netflix confirmed this new feature, which is getting a limited rollout at this time. This test is designed to, basically a, a spokesperson said, this test is designed to help ensure that people using Netflix accounts are authorized to do so. Um, now, in order to continue watching, the viewer is given the option of either verifying their identity with a text or email code to the account's owner or opting to verify later which gives the viewer an unspecified additional amount of time to continue watching and later confirm that they are a valid account user this is wild i mean anybody out there sharing passwords with your third cousin your best friend their best friend their third cousin their grandmother y'all are out of luck y'all better get into your pockets into your banks and start paying those prices are you kidding me what do you think about this well i'm just kind of going through it in my head right now right um, right it's a shock I'll, I'll admit you're a little like jarred by Can this i admit news. it i have my ex-boyfriend's account Yep, no longer. It's uh, not going to work anymore. Well, if they do tell me to verify it, you know, usually I'm watching at night. I never watch during the day. And I'll just get them to text him, and he'll verify it, and he'll let me in. Yeah. You have to be on the same page with the person you're stealing the password from. But I think they're going to even crack down further. I think this is literally just the beginning because, like they said, this is a limited rollout at this time. There's only little, like only a couple people. Imagine being one of those people who got this attached to their account. I would be really upset. Well, you know, maybe it's the universe telling me something. It's time to take a leap and get my own account because I don't. It's probably a bit awkward for my current boyfriend to have me logging into my ex-boyfriend's account on his TV. No one cares about that. I don't think anyone. Well, actually, cares about he that. doesn't. So, I'm almost done this story. But usually, you know, when you get, <laughs> go to it and it says the guy's name, you know, the person's name whose account it is, and okay. then the guest. My boy, my current boyfriend always will click on guest because he doesn't want to click on my ex's name. To really? Go Why yeah. don't you make him his own little category? Yeah, that so says it says Chris. it says it's that a guest. That's weird. Then this is gonna appear on my 
ex or say Shira. All you got to do is name it. Then he knows. He definitely knows I'm in it. Who cares? I I have a thing separate for my mom. Like it says Ryan and then mom. So whoever has those accounts, you can have those separate moments. Well, let us know what you think. Yeah. Will this impact you? Yeah, it's going to probably LGBT impact the entire show. world at this point. It's, <laughs> it's kind of shady. Media. Netflix does not care that we're still in the pa- middle of a pandemic and people are trying yeah, their best to be entertained. Where is the compassion? Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing, Netflix. Get it together. That's your tea report. I got more tea report coming up next hour. So coming up on the show, we're going to be getting into why animator- animators keep turning people of color into animals. Uh Is this just random? Is there something behind this? Should we care? We're diving into it next. Disney and Pixar are being called out because it seems if you look at over time, dating back to even 1937, uh, any of their people of color, any black characters that they have, most of them turn into animals versus the non-POC protagonists, they remain in their human forms and it's bringing up an issue and people are wondering, is this something that is like they're conscious about? Did you watch Soul? I did. Um, I think that's what initially started the conversation. I think it's always been a conversation. Um, but I think so recently because of how big it was and it was over quarantine, everyone was collectively watching if you have Disney Plus. And it was a, a pretty decent film, in oh, my yeah. opinion. I, I cried at the end. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Actually, I, there was a part of the, when they were really not to do any spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it. But they really touched on some heavy mental health aspects and really, I think, showed it in a brilliant way for kids, if they were watching, to understand what it means to be in your purpose and Yeah, existential questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It was just, it was really, it was really good, excuse me. So I I, I thought it was interesting, but there was always this moment in that movie where the character, who was the main character, he was the first black protagonist of a a Pixar, like a first black male protagonist of the film, and um, he wasn't himself the entire time. And I think meaning not himself like he not he himself was, like anxious like he became an animal. Yeah, he turned into the cat. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, and so I think there's there's uh, been a repetitive nature between Disney and Pixar of saying like. Why are the characters of color, and it's not even just black characters. I mean, if you think of uh, The Emperor's New Groove, uh, they're, they're, I mean, The Brother Bear, if you're familiar with that movie, there's a lot of moments where we've seen people of color kind of turn, the, and throughout the movie, they've been animals instead of just being their human they character turn into animals. So we're, yeah, it's we're just not, weird. We're not talking, and producer Vanessa brought this up, we're not talking about movies where everyone's an animal. Like Monsters Inc. or what's the fish Finding Nemo? Yeah, we're talking about there's characters a that um, it's there's representation happening, which is great, but then there's a transformation where they go become and exist as an animal, like Princess and the Frog, and they wrote about this in this Mike.com article that you were featured in, Ryan. How this was a big deal because it was the first black princess, but then the princess what becomes an animal. You've never seen I've that never movie? I've never seen Princess the Frog. I'm going to just turn your mic off now. Um, so her mic's off at the... Wait, and then there's Brother Bear, and I'm, I'm reading this off Are because... Are you familiar with that film? And then there's Brother Bear. I obviously did not have a childhood. No, I'm also a bit older than you, so these yeah. were not my movies. Where the uh, Inuit boy becomes an angry bear, Emperor's New Groove, Kuzo, um, an Incan emperor... Okay, you don't have to list everything. Lamb, you don't llama, have to... Re- an anxious llama? Anyway, I got it. 
Continue. <laughs> I just think because we have to wrap. I, I, Already? Yes. That's why I was like, you were going on this. <laughs> so what do you think? Is this? It, do they go out of their way to do this? Or is it that they don't get the nuance of it? And where do you think it will land? Well, I'm not sure if they went out. Of, I don't think anyone's going out of their way to do it. But it does bring up valid concerns that a lot of people have, not just me, about what are, what's the true representation that these animators are really trying to say when it comes to these characters. Because if people are honestly saying, oh, why is this such a big deal? I mean, to be quite honest, that means you probably saw cartoon characters that reminded you of someone that you knew or someone like yourself. And oftentimes when you're a person of color or you're black, you're not really seeing that representation. And I think there's a lot of nuance to these conversations. And yeah, it's just a cartoon, but also cartoons and entertainment in general really impact the way that we see the world. Yeah. And we have to be... Uh, we have to have the the knowledge of understanding the power in that. It's not just some stupid movie or something that doesn't touch in uh, people's hearts. They become hearts. cultural I think touchstones. Yeah, I think and it's if, really real. And if these were made, let's be clear, by white people running the industry way back, and if that's how this started and it hasn't changed, you have to understand where that came from. These right. tropes, uh, you know, there needs to be some context here, and it's time to change that and actually there's a change.org petition happening if you want more info on this change.org slash stop dehumanizing and they're really pushing for Pixar and Disney to make a change and let us know what you think at LGT show we'd love to hear from you as well Uh, coming up on the show the current state of COVID-19 in the US a year after the lockdown began are we closer to an end and what should we be paying attention to Dr. James Simmons joins us for that next Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. I can't believe it, but it's been exactly one year since the World Health Organization declared the coronavirus pandemic and about three months since the first Americans outside of clinical trials got shots. Things are happening pretty quickly. I think we'll look back at this and be like, oh, it was a year and a half. It felt long. It has been devastating and very tragic. Oh, my God. Yeah, it felt long. Emphasis on long. But if you look back, like in 20 years, a year and a half... It's like the great pause, right? A lot of people are saying that. Mm, that's interesting, the great pause. Yeah. I haven't heard that. One in 10 people in the U.S. are fully vaccinated against COVID-19 right now, which that's pretty good. And joining us again is Dr. James Simmons as we reflect back on the past year. Thanks again for being here. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. And I'm so used to like wanting to celebrate a year, yeah. but I'm not sure this is celebratory, yeah. really. Right. This isn't the anniversary of celebration. Really? Right? Why? Why not? It, it does feel like we've come out of something, so why not celebrate it? It, do, it does feel like we've come out of something, but, you know, I, I have to be, you know, I, I'm pretty sobered still by everything that's going on, having worked directly in the pandemic and looking yeah. at, you know, 530,000 people just in the United States alone have lost their lives to this. That number might be a little bit low, and there's a big percentage of that number that could have been avoided. So I think we will look back on this as a great pause, as a year and a half only, and we were able to sort of move on with our lives, but also... Like, man, we lost a lot of people that we didn't need to that, you know, unnecessarily. Yeah, we that did. is so true. Are you optimistic about where we're at right now? I mean, Joe Biden's office just announced that he is going to direct every state in the United States and all territories to open up the vaccine for everyone by May 1st. So that makes me tremendously optimistic. I mean, I could almost cry with that news. I think that is great information. 
I do wonder how are healthcare professionals going to kind of bounce back after the trauma that they have experienced? I mean, you all saw people literally dying in your hands, you know, and I, I think about like the stuff that I watch on television and how the, these shows are kind of reflecting um, what we just went through. And I just wonder, like, how does that work for you all in the mental health of a healthcare professional? You know, you you bring up mental health, Ryan, and and it's it's really it's really intense. It's really tough. There there was actually an episode of a TV show that was on recently, and they featured and it was scripted show it was, was not reality, but the scripted doctor started talking about an experience that she had with a patient, you know, treating a patient during COVID, and I was like, babe, you know, I told my husband, I'm like, you have to change the channel. Like I just burst into tears, mm, and wow. those moments are are unfortunately not rare. Um, you know, for so many people who lost someone to this who are experiencing a, a really long case of illness, right? Because so many people get COVID, get over it, but then there's all these things, these chronic things that kind of keep going with them and they're living through that trauma on the daily. And then obviously those of us who worked in it, I will say from a mental health though, since you brought it up, I think one of the good things that has come out of this in the last year is I feel like the stigma around people talking about their mental health has dropped dramatically. Like yeah. everyone is totally cool talking about their anxiety, their depression, like everything that's going on. And we needed that stigma to be removed anyway. So if there's anything good that's coming out of this, that's definitely something. Did you see that story? It was on New York Post and it's a bit them feeding into the whole skepticism around the vaccine, but the Utah mom that got the shot and died. And like, what do we do about stories that come up like this? Because I, I know we shouldn't be listening to this, but what do we do about that? So that that what do we do about that is keep trying to, you know, fight it with good, high quality information and have real substantive conversations with people. You know, obviously, I talk about, you know, health a lot on social media, trying to combat these things. But when it really comes down to it, those individual conversations you have with people, particularly talking about their fears and what is really motivating them or driving them to maybe have some what seems like to us irrational fears about things is where the real work gets done. So it's not your sister-in-law, baby, cousins, Tracy's hairdresser's dog walker's cousin who posted something on Facebook that's going to change everybody's mind, right? Yeah. It's literally sitting down with that person and saying, okay, so you heard this one story about someone in Utah who died from this. Are you concerned that you're going to die? Let's talk about the risks of vaccines in a really, you know, like open minded, non-judgmental sort of way. And unfortunately, I think that those baby steps are really the only way we fight all this God awful conspiracy theory misinformation that's out there. Well, Dr. James, I just want to say and I think all of us in the studio want to say thank you for all of the work that you you've done and that you're continuing to do. And we just see you and we appreciate all of that so much. It's mm -hmm. incredible. You're a hero. Well, Thank you so much. I really I appreciate that. And and thank you to everybody too who's been doing doing what they need to do to just get through all of this, right? We have all done this together. And I think people wearing their masks and being physically distant and getting vaccinated is just as important as everything that I've ever done in the hospital. So thank you to everybody else and y'all as well. It, it, I really mean that. Yeah, well, we love you. That was Dr. James Simmons, COVID frontline medical contributor here at Channel Q. Thank you again. Have a great night. Coming up on the show, the crazy way this woman found out her boyfriend was cheating on her. You won't want to miss this next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
So Nadia Essex is a relationship expert on the British reality TV show Celebs Go Dating. Oh, fine. Yes. Oh my God, did you, real what? quick, side note. Okay. I actually just got, um, I just got hit up by a UK place oh. to do a, a dating uh, show called High School Lovers or some stuff. I don't know what it what is. What they make you do? I'm not going to do lovers. it because I don't like, I don't want to put my romantic anything on television. Okay. Would you? Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, I think so. I have nothing to hide. Okay, so uh, this person took to TikTok to share the time she knew it was time to call it quits with her ex. This story is just classic. Here's the video. Oh, oh, here it is. Oh, honey, I got a doozy. So when my ex-boyfriend came home from a night out, um, I woke up in the morning and thought, let me make him some breakfast. And I got a notification on my Fitbit. Um, the Fitbit that we'd synced together that between two o'clock and three o'clock in the morning, last morning, he had burned over 500 calories. There you go. That's how she found out her boyfriend was cheating on her through the synced <gasps> Fitbits. Oh, no. Are you serious? So it wasn't like he... Because, you know, they often say men lose weight quicker and faster than women do. They always say that. I mean, literally, I feel like um, I've had friends who've been in relationships with their guys, and they're like, he can literally do nothing. He can eat, like, 12 pizzas, three packs, and drinks three packs of, like, water, and he'll lose it all in, like, days. Yeah. I mean, but this I don't know. Is sex. We, we he need... was having sex. Oh, yeah. He was like a bunny rabbit. A ton of sex. That. Yeah. 500 calories. Over one hour, you're losing that many calories. I think I need to have more sex. But then, <laughs> <laughs> and um, this is not the first time someone shared something like this. In 2019, NFL reporter Jane Slater told Twitter that she also synced her Fitbit account with her boyfriend so they could motivate each other. Then she posted this, didn't hate it until he was accounted for at 4 a.m. And his physical activity levels were spiking on the app. Wish the story wasn't real. If you're going to cheat on your partner, maybe don't actually, no, just don't do it. Don't sink your Fitbit, but actually just don't be a D-bag. Why not? I mean, if you don't have anything to hide, you should continue to uh, sink your Fitbit. Of course. But... Who's using a Fitbit when there's Apple Watches? That's that's my real question. It seems like you're taking the, the cheaper alternative here and getting a Fitbit. Whether it be a Fitbit or Apple Watches, the same theory prevails, right? What would you do if you saw that with uh, oh. your, your your man? Would, would you automatically think he was cheating? Because No, I, I wouldn't automatically. I would say, hey, babe... Uh, this is weird. This came up. It's making. It's bringing up these feelings in me. Is this true? Ew! This is bringing up these feelings. I'm for getting me? triggered, and I'm making assumptions. <laughs> I don't want to be uh, angry at you and create these assumptions, but I need to know. This is coming up for me. Is it true? All based off the calorie yes of his Fitbit. I yep. Including is- if he wasn't with you. Yeah, totally. I don't. Yeah, yeah, true. And then I what? Guess. Or what I would do is do an experiment, and I would go around acting like I was having sex on my own, and see how many calories I lose. And if it's the how same are you going to act like you're having sex? Just on like your jumping own up you... and down on my bed or something. <laughs> so just working humping, out, just, humping just my, working out, humping the bed. <laughs> coming, embarrassing. coming up on the show, we've got what's trending this hour is Matthew McConaughey finally making a run for. Politics. Is he going to be jumping in? Yes. That is next. We're getting into it. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. That's right. This is Shira. And this is Ryan. And you're listening to Let's Go There on Channel Q. We're here for you 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific. 
And then it's 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. We've got new hours. So if you're wondering what's going on, that's the deal, basically. You know another thing? You know, earlier when we started the show, we talked mm-hmm. about the uh, pants, right? Uh-huh. Like, I hate it. I don't want to wear pants anymore. But one thing that I feel like quarantine has given me uh-huh. is to be a, mm-hmm. uh, what's it called? A misophoniac or oh. where I hate <laughs> the sounds of people. So, like, say, hate the sounds of people eating, hate the sounds of people swallowing, hate the sounds of everything. Um, and I think that's because of Zoom mm-hmm. and because of Shira. <laughs> How many times can I get blamed for something in a show? We should start counting. Was that the first time I was blamed? No, actually, that was I, the that's first probably, time. That was the first time. I didn't no, do actually, it today. No, actually, producer Vanessa blamed me for asking a question. This could be the second or third. Then I got blamed for bringing up too many Disney no, characters. No, here's the thing. I'm not blame. I'm actually not even blaming you. I'm actually thanking you because I had no clue I was dealing with that, and I had such an irritation for that until oh. you brought that into my life. You're welcome. So I think you're really saving lives here. You're really uh-huh. adding uh, perspective. Well, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> That's the thing. Are you just going to get annoyed at everything now? I don't know because even my dog, when she does her like lapping of her lips and then licking things, (laughs) I'm like, it irks me. It literally keeps me up at night. It's the worst thing. Oh my God, you're losing sleep. (laughs) Speaking of which, a lot of people might be losing sleep because it is the anniversary of the pandemic shutdown and experts are saying that many of us could be experiencing anniversary reaction. What that is and how to deal with it coming up next. Plus... If you got in a fight with your friends over the pandemic, how do you make up? Oh. That's awkward, right? That's embarrassing. <laughs> We're also helping you out with that coming up in 30 minutes. That's triggering. I went through a friendship breakup over mm. in quarantine. Yeah. Well, no, I don't never say, say never. No, it's 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 never. I always say that because I'm not going to say I'm an elder, but my wise words, my wise words of wisdom, that was redundant. But you have friends for different parts of your life, and then some friends just randomly come back, and so... I never say never. Well, that's you. Yeah, that's true. That's my lived experience. I don't want to project. Let's move on. I'm learning things in therapy. Let's get into some what's trending this hour. All right, let's do it. Minnesota Judge Peter Cahill approved the prosecution's request to reinstate a third-degree murder charge against Derek Chauvin after hearing arguments. The former Minneapolis police officer has been charged with second-degree murder and manslaughter in the killing of George Floyd. And jury selection continued today with six jurors being selected so far. Here's what he had to say. Court of Appeals has said in a presidential opinion, specifying the single-person rule applies to third-degree murder. I feel bound by that, and I feel it would be an abuse of discretion not to uh, grant the motion. All right. So uh, let's move on to this. A new report from the American Psychological Association shows just how stressful life in America was in 2020. The APA Stress in America report published today provides a pretty great example of how mental health directly impacts physical health. It's all correlated. And it comes one year after... World Health Organization declared that we are in this pandemic. This is what they realized. The report found that there was a drastic weight weight changes that happened and increased alcohol use. So basically people gained weight and started drinking a lot more. (laughs) Hashtag relatable. Maybe we'll be talking about this more tomorrow on the show and the other results because it's really interesting. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right, all right, all right. Is Matthew McConaughey running for governor in Texas? It's time for your T-Report, those pop culture 
moments and stories trending right now. Was that a good, Matthew? All right, all right, all right. All right, that one's better. I have to agree with you. I could do a great low voice. Okay. <laughs> New interview. Um, Matthew acknowledged the possibility of running for office. Now, this guy's 51, and he's been, he's been speaking um, of his current roles as a parent and a University of Texas professor when he wondered out loud what his next move in life would be. Now, the host jumped quickly at the opportunity to question if a gubernatorial run would qualify as his next step. And here's what he said. He said, it's a true consideration. Now, this is really interesting because the um, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who is a Republican, is up for re-election in 2022. What do we think of this? Are we a fan? I'm liking where Matthew McConaughey is going these days. I feel like... I'm down. I think he's um, a great leading figure. I think he's proven himself as a pretty good leader. He's now an educator. That we thought we were surprised about, but he seems to be a good teacher. I'm not surprised that he wants to get into politics now. And also um, The Rock, though. This is the thing. I think Trump and first Arnold Schwarzenegger created the opening for a lot of these actors to feel like they could do it. Yeah, I just wish we stopped glamorizing celebrities and their politics because it doesn't matter and I don't care. And I also don't know if Matthew McConaughey is a Republican or not. So I'm pretty sure uh, he's not. We don't know that at all until we start to see the the true things. No one thought Mario Lopez was like putting his foot in his mouth when he sat down with Candace Owens. Like no one ever thought that was gonna happen. So I'm just I'm not sure if I'm into this. I'm not sure if celebrities, in my opinion, are qualified. And maybe they should stay in their lanes unless they're going to do the research and the, the the education process that is needed. Because there's plenty of people out there who are more qualified than a Matthew McConaughey who drifts cars in those little car commercials. But Ryan, he sat down with conversations with an, a black man. The uncomfortable conversation. Was that edgy? Was that an edgy hot take for you? That, that's time. For, he spoke to the Manuel Acho. That means nothing. What does that mean? Anyway, um, that's your team report. I got more coming up next hour. Uh, next up on the show, if you're finding yourself more anxious or on edge, it could be because of anniversary reaction around the pandemic. What that means for you next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It's the anniversary of the pandemic lockdown, and it's bringing up a lot of different emotions. Grief, uncertainty, sadness, and maybe some excitement for some as the vaccine is bringing a light at the end of the tunnel. Joining us right now is Dr. Alfie, founder of the Acoma Project. She's one of our favorites, also host of the Couch to Color podcast. Thanks for being here. Of course. You know it's always my pleasure. Well, you know, experts are saying some of us could be experiencing an anniversary reaction. What does that even mean? Um, It really, a lot of times it shows up physically, it manifests itself physically, or it manifests itself as, like, you just don't feel, like, you feel this. Um, unease, like you feel uneasy and you're not sure why. So really what that is, is you're, you, there's a book called The Body Keeps Score, I think is what it's called. People reference it all the time. And your body is really holding on to all of the angst and stress and strife that you've been experiencing over the past year. And it's remembering when it started. So that's really what it is, just feeling uneasy and maybe not knowing where it's coming from. That's typically your sign. It's an anniversary reaction. You know, I feel like I'm pretty lucky because I barely remember what day of the week it is. And I know some people, like I have a close friend who literally, def- like I, 
I just, it's just so good with dates where they remember where they were a year ago. And that can be a blessing yep. and a curse, right? And I think when you have people who are kind of, uh, they wrap their hand, their, their anxieties are over the date. This is pretty triggering for them knowing that, oh, it's been a year and nothing's really changed. And they look on TV and yeah, there's a vaccine, but when am I going to get that? So I guess, how do you process um, that feeling of feeling like, has anything really changed? Really? You know, and how do you move forward? Yeah. So, you know, you know what I'm going to say, Ryan, I always say the same thing. It's really about being present and and practicing, right? I'm not saying everybody gets it right, but it's about practicing self-awareness. So if you're kind of going through life day to day and you're not really conscious of how you're feeling in any way, shape or form, then this stuff does tend to weigh on you because you're not making any active steps or taking any active steps or practices to be present and being present is the thing that helps to reduce and and minimize some of the anxiety and worry that people feel. So what I say to people is start some kind of practice that makes you present. Some for some people that's coloring books, for some people that's music, for some people that's deep breathing. There are all kinds of things that you can do. Find the thing that works for you and you've got to work on being present and you've got to work on being self-aware. If you can start there, I think those are the things that help to minimize that what you're just what you're describing, just getting overwhelmed, right? Anybody's going to get overwhelmed mm-hmm. when you think about just the weight. When I was listening to you describe, you know, all the things that people might be thinking about, how long we've been under quarantine, the vaccine, all, do I get it or do I not? It is overwhelming. So bring yourself back to focus on just where you are today and in this moment if you can, but it takes practice. Yeah, again, we're talking to Dr. Alfie right now. I also think it helps, and what's really helped me recently, and I'm fortunate, is to be in a partnership with someone that I feel like is pretty emotionally healthy. To get some perspective, I find I could be in my head a lot and it could create more anxiety. Someone that's not going to feed into the negativity, but say, like, it's okay that you're feeling this, and then where can you take accountability? And, like, giving you some perspective as to what you're feeling. I agree with that. I agree with that. And even if you don't have a partner... Everybody has that one friend who's sort of the rock. Now, with that said, sometimes you got to check on the rock, too. Do you know what I mean? Like your friend yes. who is, is the, the stalwart. But at the, by the same token, you know, I obviously, I am that friend for a lot of my girlfriends. But I have to say, sometimes, I, like today, I just picked up the phone and called my girlfriend. She's in the middle of her work day, right? She doesn't have, like, this what they call bankers hours like me. And I was like, girl, look, can we just, like, Melinda, help me? And she was like, okay, Alfie, blah, 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 blah. And it really helped me. Right. Even though I'm the rock, I was able to call her and she knows that sometimes I need her to be that for me. So I feel like everybody hopefully has at least one person or a half a person or maybe they're kind of that person for you. And, and what you're saying, Shira, is you got to lean on that person sometimes. But Dr. Alfie, I think one thing that we haven't mentioned yet is the root of this thing, right, is grief because people's mm. lives, family members, friends, yeah. that's difficult. So how should we be reshaping how we view grief and moving through that? Yeah. Ryan, you always ask the best question. It's so well-informed and it's so thoughtful. Like the the piece of it is recognizing that grief is not just about someone passing away. Mm. That's not just what grief is. Grief is any kind of loss. That could be the lot, like a loss of a pet, a loss of a dating relationship, a loss of a job, a loss of a marriage, right? In this case, the loss of our freedom, right? Like, and, yeah. and the loss of, for a lot of people, the innocence that came with not fully understanding racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, so on and so forth, right? So, and, and for others of us, it's like, really, y'all just figuring this out? So we're grieving because we've been living in this space for so long, and now you have all these other people who just woke up to it, and it's sort of like, really? And it's the realization. So anytime you have these significant life transitions like this, you really are, I think, in some ways, 
wanting to start thinking about it as grief and processing it as such. Sometimes it's just naming the issue mm-hmm. as giving it a label that helps you move forward. And that's what I would say. So I love the question, and you're absolutely right. A lot of us are just dealing with grief. Grace and space, people. Dr. Alfie, we love you. Thanks for being on again. We appreciate it. Oh, I love you, too. Always. It's always my pleasure to be with you. Dr. Alfie is the founder of Acoma Project. Also, check out her podcast couched in color right now have you lost friends during this pandemic well how do you make up now that it's kind of over we've got an expert here to help you after this let's go there with shira and ryan channel q a lot of people got into fights with friends and family during the pandemic did you ryan yeah, I, um, it wasn't a fight, but it was more so just, uh, um, it feels like a, cl- a chapter has been closed mm. on a long, 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 long friendship. No, oh, yeah, that can yeah. be really hard. And a lot of you might be wondering and feeling like, should I reconcile now that this is kind of coming to an end a bit? Or should you just move on? And that's just the way it is. It's a new chapter. Well, joining us right now is Kat Velos, who's a speaker, facilitator, author of We Should Get Together, The Secret to Cultivating Better Friendships. Thanks for being here, Kat. Hey, Shara. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. So how do you approach a friend after a fight just to even have a conversation? Like, what are the steps? If you feel like this is coming up and you're like, okay, maybe I don't want to move on. I want to reconnect. What do you do? Yeah, I think that you have a couple of different options there. And it I think it also takes some self-reflection before you go into that conversation because you got to say, like, what went wrong here? Was it my behavior? Was it the other person's behavior? Was it some kind of in-between clash? Um, if it was your own behavior, you realize, like, oh, my gosh, I was in a pandemic-induced hysteria, and maybe I came on too okay. strong. Maybe I came on a little heated with somebody. Go ahead and apologize, like open up by being like, wow, I want to acknowledge the last time we talked, like things kind of went off the rails. I am really sorry. And I would love to reconnect whenever you are ready. Mm. Let me know. Um, Or if maybe it was on the other side and and you still want to reconnect with that person and patch it over, be like, hey, I want to talk about, you know, what happened in our friendship lately. Um, Are you open to a conversation one day soon? And leave it open, you know, acknowledge that you're coming in with the intention of patching it over and, you know, acknowledging that maybe things went sideways, but the intention around reconnecting is there and leaving that that ball in the other person's court to, to bounce it back. See, I was the latter. I was what you were just talking about, where it wasn't a fight. It, it just you feel kind of the separation happening over the years and you don't really know how to bring it up. You don't really know what happened for it to happen. And I think this was the first time that I, re- I realized that friendship breakups are so real. And I think it's really difficult uh, for people to figure out even how to handle that. And it's just like, how do you even start by <laughs> realizing that maybe this is just a closed chapter, like you have to move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Like friendship breakups are a thing, just like romantic breakups. And just like in dating, like there's so many overlaps, like sometimes you're dating somebody and they ghost you, you're like, what happened? And like, the, it just kind of fades away. And other times it's a very clear conversation. And it's like, no, we're done. Like, here's why we're breaking up. And sometimes the breakup can be really loving too. It can be like, you know, I really like you. I like you too, but this isn't a fit. And those sorts of things can happen in friendships too. And I think the reason why it can be so disorienting, like you're describing, Ryan, is because it's not something we normally think about with friendship and our culture doesn't really talk about it. Okay, well, we want to continue talking about it. Uh, So let's continue this conversation right after this. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A pandemic friendship breakup. When do you know when it's time to come back together or call it quits? Back with us is Kat Velos, who's the author of We Should Get Together, The Secret to Cultivating Better Friendships. So I guess once you've done that introspection, like you said, what are you supposed to do from there? Right. So in this pandemic, one of the things that a lot of people have realized is that they don't have the same values as the friend. Like maybe something in the behavior has made that clear that like maybe if you knew what you know now, maybe you might not have chose each other as friends. So it's important to realize like if you get new information and it's actually changed your feeling about the friendship, then that's okay. And it's okay to walk away. It's okay to say like, this isn't working for me anymore. And something that can help is um, deciding if you want to save it as well. Like, is there mutual interest in saving that friendship? And I think it's important to ask that question rather than make an assumption. Yeah, I'm, I've always been the type of person where I'm like, if people, if someone that I feel like I'm pouring into are showing up for is in, in, in giving me that same energy, then it kind of makes me want to um, back away or realize that I'm not going to give my time there if you're not trying, uh, which kind of puts you into this like weird grieving process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, yeah, it, that's it, true. It's, it feels a little dramatic to say that, but I have been in therapy and I have actually bought this up with my therapist. How do you grieve? Mm-hmm. It's true. Like when you're not being met in a relationship that is really supposed to be reciprocal, like it's supposed to be, it takes two to tango. Like it's supposed to be both people pulling the weight of carrying that friendship. And it can really be uh, an instigation for grieving or sadness when you realize you're not being met by this other person. And sometimes when people are in that situation, they feel that sadness, but they haven't actually asked for what they need. And sometimes People can be surprised if they say like, oh, you know, tell a friend, like, I really love connecting with you and I would love it if you reached out to me more, you know? Yes. Um, and the other person's like, oh, I had no idea. <laughs> exactly. We, I think we assume mm. a lot. And it's, of course, you would love to have a friend that just gets it and can read your mind. But I think that's what creates a lot of conflicts because in the end, we're all living our lives. We're all going through our own stuff. And but that's vulnerable, though. Yeah. It's like, why give people, if you know that's what friendship is. For you, it's just like, why even allow, like give yourself or open yourself up in that way for you to just be shut down? That's what friendship is. Like Shira said, like it takes vulnerability, mm-hmm. it takes honesty, and it takes courage. To get to the deeper level, and maybe that's what that friendship was needing, are you willing to take that leap? Maybe your friendship wasn't like that in the past, and now it's mm-hmm. that's the challenge to step into that. Yeah. Look at that. We're therapists and, for you, Ryan. Well, no, I do think, I, I wonder, <laughs> and I, I do wonder, what do you think the pandemic has taught us about friendships and how we'll move forward in the future when it comes to our friendships? Absolutely. It definitely taught us how much it matters to have friends when we can't see them. You know, it definitely showed us how much connection is important to us and, and the people that we really want to have in our lives. And I hope that the lesson a lot of people walk away with here, too, is also that it takes intention to really make sure those friendships stay connected, stay strong. And it's okay to go through a storm together and get through it. Like a friendship doesn't have to end just because you have one fight or like don't see each other for a little while. It's like if that's strong and there's commitment there, you can get through it. You can keep the pushing. Yeah, let's be kind to ourselves and each other in the process. Like, it's hard for all of us. That was Kat mm-hmm. Velos, who's an author of We Should Get Together, The Secret to Cultivating Better Friendships. Thanks for being here again. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, that was fun. Coming up on the show, Marianne Williamson has released a COVID meditation, and it's intimate, but getting a lot of attention. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
Coming up on the show, the House just passed universal background checks for gun sales. We're going to get into if it matters because it still needs to go to the Senate where a lot of people are saying it's not going to pass. But hey, you never know. So Vox.com is joining us for that right after what's trending this hour, of course. Plus, the current state of COVID-19 in the U.S. after a year of lockdown. Dr. James Simmons is back with us. Also, we love having him on. We do. And I missed him. And I I think it's time for us to do a little check-in. Yeah, we're reflecting on the year. Also, he's a frontline worker. So it's been a crazy year for him. It's good to revisit that. Mm -hmm. Right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Finally, we've all been waiting for this. Actually, we haven't, but it's still quite entertaining. Marianne Williamson. Oh, well, okay. Well, I got so excited about this. Let me just, Marianne Williamson. (laughs) Um, She, of course, ran for president. She's the spiritual coach guru. Well, she posted this uh, COVID meditation, and who who knew we needed this? The coronavirus, we pray that it be dissolved with healing, with healing with healing your cervix, your penis, your vagina, your buttocks, your colon. Go wash your hands. I mean, was that, that's not even an SNL sketch, by the way. That is real. Yeah, it's pretty real. And she's praying for all your most valuable parts. They are valuable. I mean, seriously, your colon, please continue to pray over it. You know, we need a little break from the seriousness. Um, even though I don't know if she wanted us to. I think she was that, being completely yeah, serious. I, I think um, this is a prime example of why she did not win the presidency. <laughs> speaking of presidency, guess what? President Biden is speaking in his first primetime address. Ever as president. So we'll be uh, talking more about that and recapping it all, of course, on tomorrow's show. But that is airing right now. Do you want me to play a little bit of it? Sure. All right. Nope. Oh, it's not. My fellow Americans, you're owed nothing less than the truth. And for all of you asking when things will get back to normal, here is the truth. The only way to get our lives back, to get our economy back on track, is to beat the virus. You've been hearing me say that for while I was running and the last 50 days I've been president. But this is one of the most complex operations we've under, under, ever undertaken as a nation in a long time. That's why I'm using every power I have as president of the United States to put us on a war footing to get the job done. Sounds like hyperbole, but I mean it, a war footing. And thank God we're making some real progress now. That was Joe Biden in his first primetime address as president. And that was from our sister station, KNX News, KNX1070.com for more. And of course, he's talking about the next phase. We know that we have one in 10 Americans who are vaccinated for COVID-19. And we're opening up across the country. Yeah, and then tomorrow's show, we'll go in more about, like, what he talked about and addressed because I think it's very important. And I, like I said, I love watching this dude speak. I really do. Well, that's because it's organized, it's prepared. He's reading off a teleprompter. There's no surprises. No. He's, he's, he's doing the exact opposite. He's not tweeting. He's America's grandpa. That's true. We, need, we needed a grandpa. We needed some warmth here. Uh, and that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? <laughs> 
Okay, so let's dive into this. Niecy Nash just had the best interview on Ellen updating us on her internet-breaking moment, her wedding. It is time for the Tea Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. Now, on an appearance on The Ellen DeGeneres Show, actress and comedian Niecy Nash talked about labels and about her husband, um, her hus, like husband. Um, that's what she calls him. Yeah, uh, calls her Jessica Betts. Um, also, uh, after basically talking about her children and celebrating her recent birthday in Mexico, Ellen, of course, congratulated Nash on her marriage. My favorite part of this interview, though, um, was Nisi giving us a family update. Here is a funny moment uh, with her daughter that I thought was just needed. Yeah, well, I don't know. My daughter, the youngest one, she made me sit down and watch a program. She said, Mom, you got to know how you identify. I said, oh, I do? (laughs) And so we watched this whole thing about, you know, and it was a thousand different things you could have called yourself. But when I got through watching it, she was like, well, what are you? I said, confused. I'm just obsessed with that. It was a really great segment of her just really giving us all the details because it happened during quarantine. We, no one really knew. It was, like I said, it was a, a very big surprise. Um, but I'm happy that she's not uh, allowing labels to define her relationship. She's teaching her kids to do the same thing and her kids are even educating her. And it's just a process, right? And I think oh, yeah. um, it's something beautiful that we could all learn from and just uh, love is love at the end of the day. Of course. It was interesting to hear Ellen trying to explain it, the spectrum also. <laughs> yeah, so y'all want to check out that full interview. Like like I said, it was hilarious. Head over to WeirdChannelQ.com. You can also go there to check out any of those entertainment stories that I've covered on today's show. And then, yeah, guess what? We're on social media. Follow us at LGT Show everywhere um, because we want to connect with you all and know what you're thinking, cutie patooties. Yes. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. In celebration of Pride, DC Comics is releasing a new anthology comic featuring not only LGBTQ plus characters from the superhero universe, but also writers and artists as well. This is very cool. Uh, it's called DC Pride Number One. It's going to be published on June 8th. And it's going to have 80 pages of comics about your favorite queer superheroes written and drawn by amazing writers and artists. How about that? I love this. You know, I'm kind of a comic book nerd Mm. or just in the universe of like watching them when they're like made into movies or television shows. And so I really do love that there is going to be something that's dedicated specifically to like queer, you know, heroes and folks. And I, I, I think DC just is not better than Marvel, but I do think they have, they're doing uh, something that's really innovative and um, it's just really exciting to see. And we, we've seen it kind of take place in their television series, right? Batwoman when Ruby Rose was, but now the the new Batwoman is also still, I think she's like lesbian or something, but she's like, and she's still queer. And so I, I'm just excited overall for the DC comic universe. Um, this is really, really cool. And I would actually only expect this to be in pride month, but the fact that it's happening earlier is great. Yeah, definitely. And it's also going to feature the introduction of the trans superhero Dreamer. Yes! Shout out to Nicole from Superwoman. Yeah, Nicole Maines. Very cool. She's great. Well, that does it for our show and our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen! On tomorrow's show, we're, (laughs) of course, going to be giving you the recap of President Biden's uh, speech, his first one to the country. Are you, oh my God, are you excited? 
yeah, we're going to be giving you all the highs, lows, everything in between. I know. I'm just, I, I like watching him speak. I, I kind of, I do really enjoy that from him. He, yes. It's it's nice and warm, like a cardigan. <laughs> Plus, oh, hey, uh, what's that old, uh, What's that guy with the red cardigan? <laughs> what's that guy with the, with the kids show? <laughs> oh, my God. Won't you be my neighbor? Mr. Rogers? It's a Mr. Rogers vibe. Oh, my God. We spent way too much time on that. Sorry. (laughs) Um, And also on the show tomorrow, uh, we're talking about daylight savings time. Like, are we ready just to, like, drop it? Should we cancel spring forward, winter back, whatever you call it? I like winter back. I don't like spring forward. I like winter back. I like getting more hours of sleep. Not taking it away, but we'll discuss it. Yeah, because we're like the only country that does this. Like, it doesn't happen in a lot of places. I mean, Canada, too. But I don't know why people hate it so much. I really don't get it. Well, tomorrow, it's happening on the show, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on Channel Q. We've also got a podcast. Catch up on our show, everything that you miss. Go to the radio.com app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. Now we're sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this. Bye, y'all.